0: Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the 2019 ELCA Churchwide Assembly. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelow, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon.
1: And I'm Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, we're going to start at the beginning because when we went and looked back at our podcast list, we did not have Churchwide Assembly on it.
0: We didn't see it anywhere, unless no. it was part of like the early 30. That, that I don't unlikely. think.: unlikely. So. Yeah. so what is
1: Churchwide Assembly?
0: Churchwide Assembly is the every three year, hmm. so triennial, okay. gathering of folks from around the country representing all 3.5 million members of the ELCA. And it's the governing body. Okay. So it's like... Senate assembly that we have done podcasts on. Yes, we have. Only at the church-wide level. So the whole denomination. Is this every pastor goes? Who goes? Representatives from each synod. Oh, okay. So each synod has a delegation of six or eight different individuals okay. who attend. So the bishop, and then I think it's like three or four lay folks and three or four clergy folk. Okay. It might be... Less than that. It might be the bishop and two rostered leaders and then four to six lay folks. I'm not 100% certain.
1: Okay. But again, we're also talking about something that your representation is based on how many people you have in the area. So Oregon has one synod, but I know in the Midwest, there are some states that have more than one synod. Right. So Pennsylvania possibly, has lots. Yeah. You would have yeah. more people coming from those areas, potentially.
0: Yes. Because okay. Because it's not based on geographic region. It's based on number of congregations. Okay. On how large a synod is. Okay. And so geographically, for example, Alaska mm-hmm. is geographically quite substantial, mm-hmm. but it is one synod. Okay. Pennsylvania, I think, is broken up into four or maybe even five different synods. Sure. But the number of congregations will be about the same in each synod.
1: Okay, so that is the when, the where. What do you do at Churchwide Assembly? Is this uh, just making sure things are going correctly? Is this making huge decisions for the ELCA on a whole? What do you do?
0: Yes. Oh, Okay. <laughs> It's lots of things. And and I guess I should say that lots of people attend churchwide who are not necessarily voting members of the assembly. Okay. Folks will go to be present, to listen, to table, and to show things. There's usually an area where you might be selling things or different organizations are represented. So there's lots of folks who attend churchwide assemblies, those who are voting members and those who are non-voting members of the assembly. So it's a great big event. Okay. Okay. And the work that is to be done is very similar to like a Senate assembly. There is public worship, so communal, consistent worship together. And hopefully that shows a variety of different backgrounds and music types and all that kind of stuff. And then there is work that needs to be done, budgets that need to be passed. And, you know, boring stuff like that, constitutional amendments that need to happen, those sort of things. There are elections that occur. Okay. The secretary of the ELCA was up for election this year. There are six-year terms, like a synodical president or synodical vice president or synodical bishop. Okay. This year, the secretary, which is the position number two. Okay. It's the Riker to the Picard. Okay. Pastor Chris Berger stepped down. Okay. And retired. And the office of presiding bishop, her first six-year term completed. Mm. And so she was up for election this year. Mm. And then there's all the resolutions and memorials and social statements that come from Senate assemblies and the church council and that kind of a thing. Like all of that then comes to this body for voting.
1: Okay. So if it happens every three years, is this stuff that is just sort of been
0: accumulating since the last
1: time? It can. Yeah. Okay.
0: Absolutely. And there's also usually a push at the Senate assemblies the year of churchwides. Okay. To very specifically have several memorials. If you've got something you Mm -hmm. want addressed,
1: then bring it up now or hold your piece for another three years.
0: Exactly. Okay. And in between, it can go to the churchwide council for consideration instead, and maybe the churchwide council then will bring it to the floor of the assembly if it's already had conversation. But the memorials and resolutions that come from a congregation or a group of congregations puts forward a memorial to a local senate, And then that local synod sends it on to churchwide for consideration for implementation across the country. What kind of memorial are we talking here? So these are things like anything from we will be intentional about celebrating the 50th anniversary of the ordination of women in the ELCA Uh to we are going to proclaim ourselves a sanctuary body. Okay. Right? It can have a huge range of what goes before the church-wide body.
1: Okay. So when you're using the word memorial, you're not talking about something in remembrance of somebody specific.
0: No. Memorials and resolutions are terms that are used through Robert's Rules of Order.
1: Okay. Which I clearly am unfamiliar with.
0: Well, and parliamentary procedure is real confusing. Okay. Yeah.
1: So my next somewhat obvious question is,
0: did you go? I did not. Okay. I have not been to a churchwide assembly yet.
1: Oh, do you pay attention when they're on? Yeah. How would one do
0: that? Is that a keep an eye on the website kind of thing? It can be all kinds of ways, especially now in this modern age with so much social media. Sure. You can watch the tweet storms. You can keep an eye on Facebook posts. There are official press releases coming out at the end of each day from churchwide. There is also streaming. So at least since, I'm thinking back, so I was ordained in 2005, first Churchwide was 06, that I was ordained during, and I watched that on stream. Okay. So we've been live streaming them that long. Oh, well, that's wonderful. Yeah. And this last week, I didn't have a ton of time to stream at all. I okay. didn't get to watch nearly as much as I normally do, but I engage the most by either watching clergy that I know or colleagues that I know or voting members that I know who are there watching their social media posts or by just flat out streaming the event. Okay. So what were the big moments this year? Oof, so many. Yeah. And I guess we should say this happened this year, August 5 through 10. And we're recording this the week after Churchwide. So if you're listening to this, In various and sundry years to come, we're talking about the 2019 Churchwide Assembly. Big things that happened this year. There's a whole host of them. Yeah. Man, we did a ton. So, Presiding Bishop Elizabeth Eaton was elected on the first legal ballot. Okay. And then there's a whole host of stuff. For Sunday morning's sermon, I talked about all these different pieces that were going. So there was the World Council of Churches have invited us to participate in something called Thursdays in Black. Okay. Which is a statement and a solidarity movement against violence against women throughout the world, particularly gender-based violence. And so that was passed for us to consider regular participation in Thursdays in Black. We passed a social statement. So six years ago, two church-wides ago, ago, okay. or maybe longer, the church council requested a social statement on women and justice. Mm. And from that has come a social message, which is like a lesser version, and then a social statement, which is a big this is how we as the ELCA and our theology understands this particular concept. So okay. we have social statements on everything from genetics and genetic manipulation to abortion to human sexuality, all kinds of things. And we hadn't yet done one on women and justice. We did one on criminal justice, but not women and justice. Okay. And so this has been... Written and sent out for comment and studied and all kinds of things over the last six years. And it was approved Okay, this last weekend. So we have a social statement on women and justice that does some really awesome work on inclusion kind of topics. Okay. We passed a constitutional amendment to recognize deacons as ordained rostered leaders instead of consecrated rostered leaders. Okay. What does that mean? So... We have two rosters in our denomination. We have the roster of word and sacrament, like me. My main purviews are around preaching the word and administering the sacraments rightly. Okay. And then there's the roster of word and service, which are our deacons. And these are individuals who, again, preach the word correctly and then are called also to call us into service and action in the world. Okay.
1: You're leaving out the sacraments part on that second one. Leaving out the sacraments on that second
0: one. Okay. very different kind of calls and how it gets acted out into the world. But the word and service roster has often been considered less than. Mm-hmm. Three years ago, we moved to combine the rosters into one instead of having like these two distinct areas with like one extra cousin off in the woods. And then all the pastors mean, like, no, we are rostered leaders. We are all doing the work of God. And so that has had three years to settle in. And now this time we changed the terminology from consecration for our word and service brethren to ordination. So it's the entrance right into the ministry. Okay. And it gives it a higher level of respect. Sure. I am biased (laughs) (laughs) because I have experienced firsthand the power of having a partner deacon to Mm -hmm. work with. And how different that call is and how helpful it is to a community to have both of those represented. So I am thrilled with that particular decision. Excellent. We did elect a deacon as the new secretary of the ELCA. Oh, okay. We authorized a new social statement. A new opportunity, so it'll be years from now before it is finished. They'll have to form a committee and do the studies and do the drafts and do all the work. But It still amazes me
1: sometimes that you actually get to the end point on a lot of these. Right. but
0: which you do. Who knows how long or what's going to come with this. But it is a social statement on the role of government, the nature of civic engagement, mm. and the relationship of church and state. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since we started a social statement, but... This is a pretty exciting it's conversation. It's a hot topic. It's a hot topic. Mm-hmm. And and I will say this is the first church-wide assembly that we've had since the most recent presidential election. Oh, okay. If people are wondering why the ELCA took a lot of the actions that it took over the last week, I think that this is probably very much in reaction to the political climate in which we currently live. Sure. That makes perfect sense. And we are descendants of Martin Luther whose work was used in Germany, and we are descendants of Bonhoeffer, a German theologian who called us to not remain complicit when mm-hmm. people were being harmed. And I think that much of the work that we dove into over this last week comes from a place of not wanting to be complicit in things that are, as we understand it, counter to the gospel. Sure, one of the beautiful moments that I did get to watch the live stream for was this moment when there were 39 ecumenical and interreligious partners on the dais with mm-hmm. presiding Bishop Eaton, and it was just full of all these clergy of all different faiths, and it was it was really beautiful. And we passed a Declaration of Interreligious Commitment, a policy statement of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. One of the cool things that I love about this denomination and being a pastor in this denomination is that in many ways, we are a bridge between communities. Sure. So communities that can't necessarily share the table with each other, both of them share the table with us. Oh, interesting. And so if we're presiding at the table. You can do both. They can both
1: receive. Hmm.
0: Which is why when we have worship in the park every year, I'm the one presiding at the table. Oh, sure. Because the ELCA can bridge the divide between AME Zion and the Episcopalians and the Baptists. Oh, that's just fascinating. Because we have long-term built these relationships at the national level that allow us to serve in that way. And so we get to be that bridging point, whereas other denominations couldn't necessarily cross that bridge sure. without us there so I love that uniqueness about us and living into what that then means it's pretty awesome mm-hmm. in my opinion so
1: I loved that moment it was a great moment there's been a lot going on and yet you're still not getting to
0: the one that I'm waiting for I know I know I know mm-hmm. we're gonna get there we're okay. gonna get there one of the other two big topics that are left to discuss what we did I'm kind of building up to A lot of times in the ELCA, we use the term the 2009 assembly. Yes, we do. As like a shorthand flashpoint. And because it was a pivot moment in our denomination. And I agree with that pivot moment. I think it was a moment where we set the spirit free in a lot of beautiful ways. Mm -hmm. But it definitely was a pivotal moment for us for those who don't know what is the 2009 assembly a oh, pivot moment the pivot moment was that we passed the social statement on human sexuality mm-hmm. so because of passing that social statement, a few of the things that came from it. One of it was that we really elevated this idea of bound conscience, where we will agree to disagree okay. and remain in communion with one another. Because it's a very contentious. Because issue this for is many contentious. People. Because part of then what came of it was that LGBTQIA individuals could serve as ordained clergy in mm-hmm. relationships. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to remain celibate, and so it tossed a whole lot of stuff, pre-marriage equality, into the air around human sexuality and how we encounter human sexuality. And I will say that in no way has that been resolved. We're a decade later into this, and we are still... It's not so much about our LGBTQIA-rostered leaders Mm -hmm. at this point, but overall... It's how we deal with the conversation around sex and our rostered leaders Mm -hmm. that remains a very hot topic in our denomination and a very contentious topic within our denomination. And I think that it will remain so. Sure. And while it may not affect our congregational members a ton, it has substantial impacts on our rostered leaders. Oh, sure. And our lives, like, has daily impact. On our lives. And so because of that, that pressure and that does definitely impact your congregation, right? Because your congregation is only ever as healthy as its leaders are. That's fair. We're almost to the big controversial conversation Mm -hmm. that hit. We have two more topics to talk about. We have racism and then immigration. Okay. And the immigration one is the one that's getting a lot of flash right now. But I think that it's important that we take a look at the hard work that the ELCA did around race issues okay. in this particular assembly. So, on one of the first days of the assembly, there was a presentation of a document that had been worked on called the Declaration of the ELCA to People of African Descent. And then there was a response from the African Descent Lutheran Association. Okay. And in these documents, it was Spoken of how we have been complicit in white supremacy and racism within our country. Okay. And how our participation in that has been deadly. Keeping in mind that Dylan Roof, who was the teenager who went into Mother Emanuel and killed the nine individuals at Bible study, that he was a Lutheran confirmand. Mm -hmm. And so there has been a lot of pull from among the people of the ELCA to call for repentance for that and our complicity within that situation and within just in general. Sure. And I think, again, as we talked about when we talked about Pastor Lenny Duncan's book, Portland has a ton of this history to contend with. Yes, it does. Right, a ton of it. So that document was an acknowledgement of that and an acknowledgement of our participation in that. And then the response from the African Descent Lutheran Association said, thank you,
1: we'll okay. accept
0: this, and it means nothing if you don't get to work. Mm, it was Which beautiful. is totally fair. Right? It was beautiful. It was like, okay, you have confessed your sin, and God forgives you of that. Go and sin no more. It was really, really fantastic, and I strongly commend it sure. to all of us. On Thursday... We passed a resolution, and there was a lot of conversation, and there was debate around it. There were amendments to change the language and all kinds of funky, wonky things that you can watch the videos of if you would like. Okay, so they're still working on this thing up to the last Oh, yeah. End. And anything that comes to the floor can be amended from the floor. Okay. And it was. They were still working it. But we passed a resolution to mark June 17th as the Emmanuel 9 Feast Day of Repentance. Okay. And so this is an opportunity for ELCA Lutherans to take a day of the year and really take a look at the impact that our lack of knowledge about those of African descent, what it does and what harm it does. Mm -hmm. And so that was done, which is an amazing thing. We passed a resolution condemning white supremacy. Well, that kind of seems like a no brainer.
1: And it's sad to me that
0: that's The way it is. And the language that was used was really strong. Oh, good. It reminded me of sitting in the town city hall here in Portland when the Portland City Council passed a resolution condemning white supremacy and Uh calling out hate groups. In our current context, recognizing that in a few short days, there's going to be a rally here in Portland. Yes, there is. Condemning these actions and condemning this language is actually currently a necessity. Mm Mm-hmm. And I am very proud of our denomination for passing this statement and declaring it sinful Mm -hmm. to call any human beings an infestation. Mm -hmm. I'm sad
1: that we are at this point in this particular culture and society that we have
0: to do that. Oh, it's heartbreaking. And we got to do it. Yeah, we do. And so I'm thrilled that we did that. We passed a strategy towards authentic diversity. In the ELCA, now, again, alongside of those in Adla, I will say, great speaking. We need to actually put it to work. Yep. We have had a lot of intention for a very long time in this denomination to be diverse.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: we're not. <laughs> and we remain 94% white. Wow. So That's a really high number. It's a real high number. It is not something to be proud of. It's something to call out and to confess but not something to be proud of. So we passed a strategy. Now we got to get to work on it. One final action around race that we did is that we affirmed the Poor People's Campaign. And for folks who aren't familiar with the Poor People's Campaign, this was the work that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was doing at the end of his life. Okay. And it is currently a movement that is very active and very powerful and is happening in beautiful ways across our country. We affirmed it. We did not endorse it. Okay. And that is a shame. Because, again, it's one of these situations where we talk a pretty talk, but when it came time to walk the walk, we let our theological differences stop us, and we're the only mainline denomination that has not endorsed the Poor People's Campaign. Oh, that's pretty sad. It's very sad. Hmm. Now, the Oregon Senate, we have endorsed the Poor People's Campaign. And so we will continue our work alongside of it and learning more and getting news out about it. But nationally, it did not get an endorsement, it just got an affirmation, huh? So, a bit disappointing, yeah. So, we call up the negatives as well as the positives, right? Sure, but of course, the big one, the big news item Mm -hmm. that got us on CNN and got articles written in NPR, yeah, NPR. And Fox News. Oh, yes. yeah, Of course. Of course. Is that we also, based on our scriptural understandings of the Bible, the entire both Hebrew sure. and Greek scriptures, and affirming decades of work with immigrants and refugees and asylum seekers, we declared ourselves a sanctuary body. Okay. So the big question then is what does this mean? Yeah. And here's what I will say as a congregation that declared itself a sanctuary congregation many years ago, mm-hmm. in a synod that was the first to declare ourselves a sanctuary synod. Okay. And now we are the first mainline denomination to declare itself a sanctuary body. That being a sanctuary participant depends upon the wishes and the desires and the actions of the members of the congregations at the local level. Okay.
1: Still? Absolutely. Even with this big amendment? Absolutely. Okay.
0: What it does is it gives congregations who are afraid the opportunity to know that they've got the whole national church saying, yes, you can do this. Okay. Yes, this is where we stand theologically. Yes, this is rooted in our scriptures and our confessions and how we understand our call to be. So don't be afraid of this. But how to actually put it into day-to-day... Reality and lived action is going to depend on each individual congregation. There will absolutely be congregations who will shelter someone within their walls who is crying out for sanctuary and will barricade and do what is needed to be done in order to keep them safe. Sure. From deportation or from arrest. There will also be congregations who never get anywhere near that. Mm-hmm. And frankly, if your building doesn't have an accessible shower, you probably shouldn't do that. Sure. But it allows for an opportunity for that depth and breadth of work to be done. Our partner congregation a few blocks away from here served as a literal physical sanctuary for someone for quite some time. It did. And that is powerful witness and work. I myself have been arrested protesting at ICE in order to advocate for the release of legal asylum-seeking individuals from a federal prison. Mm -hmm. We have for generations housed and advocated alongside and taught and held space for immigrants who come legally through the system. Lutheran Refugee Services has been an incredible presence in our country for decades. And just two weeks ago, our sanctuary was full with the Ethiopian community because our congregation sponsored an Ethiopian family in the 1980s and the patriarch died a few weeks ago. And so they came back to this place where their journey in the United States started to hold the funeral service for him. Hmm. And it was beautiful Mm -hmm. and the food was amazing. I bet. And the worship was lovely. Mm -hmm. And it was proof that the work of walking alongside of the stranger builds long-term relationships and serves all of us in powerful ways. And so being a sanctuary body... Unlike what Fox News said, does not automatically mean that we are going to be breaking the law. Does it mean that we might break the law around this? Yes, we might. Because sometimes bad laws will be broken. Sure. And civil disobedience is a way to affect change that saves lives. But does it mean that we are going to willy-nilly just start ignoring things and Bringing in, you know, it no, it actually doesn't mean those things. It means that we are advocating for people who are frightened and scared and hungry, people who need help. And that is our work to do as the church in the world. That is what it is to be a part of the mission and ministry of Jesus Christ. And so lots of information out there around Mm -hmm. what this means. But again, in the same way that the decision to welcome LGBTQIA individuals into ministry does not mean that we are suddenly going to assign a congregation a queer pastor, mm-hmm. right? If you don't let fear consume you, then you can see how breaking down racial divides, apologizing for the ways that we've screwed up, celebrating that we've come somewhere along the way in gender equalities, and advocating for those who need advocating for, all of this is the work of the gospel. hmm Last Sunday, the scripture verse that I hung my sermon on was Hebrews. Now faith is the assurance for things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We have not yet seen a world that is free from violence against women. No. That has racial equality. No. That treats frightened and violence fleeing people with respect and kindness and gentleness
1: and a little dignity
0: and a lot of dignity. Mm -hmm. We have not seen that world, but faith is to dare to have hope that those things can happen. And the way that we as the ELCA make our way in faith is by hoping for these things to happen and taking steps as a national body of 3.5 million members to say that these things matter to us this is what our faith is about. And this is what we hope in. And this is what we believe God is about. And this is what we believe the gospel message is. That is the work that we do. Sure. And that is what we were about. And that's what we were about at Churchwide.
1: Wonderful. Okay, before I get to my last question, I'm going to throw out to those who are listening, if you mm-hmm. are interested, we will have links to where to find all of the things and resolutions and videos of everything that has happened at the last Churchwide Assembly. So please check out our blog page, and we will also put it on and make sure it's on Facebook as well.
0: Sure. And keep in mind that the website can be a little tricky to manage and negotiate. So don't give up. Be patient with yourself. The information's there for you. It's there, and if you need help finding some things and digging through it, let me know, and I'll be happy to help you. Fantastic. Okay, so my last question to you is this. What do you
1: hope the results are from all of these, I think, wonderful resolutions and discussions?
0: I hope that it takes us one step closer to the kingdom of God. Okay. And I know that there are many clergy who this last Sunday faced very angry and hurt members of their congregation. And I know that there are those who were as lucky as I to get to be in a sanctuary that when I announced that we're a sanctuary body, our people applauded. Mm. We have the depth and breadth across the spectrum in our denomination. And that's part of that bound conscience. And I know that there will be some people who will leave our denomination because of this. And
1: that happened in 2009 as well. Lots of Mm -hmm. folks
0: left, but the heartbeat of my hope is that this brings us closer to God's intention of our world, that this gives us more courage, that gives us more strength to dare to take a look at where we falter and fail, that it incites us with privilege to really dig in and start facing that privilege. And with that, that hope to bring God's kingdom one step closer.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the 2019 ELCA Churchwide Assembly. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic.
0: As do I. And thank you all for listening along. Please do go check out the ELCA's website for many more details about the assembly and for more information. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.